Hey everyone, I'm Kate Galliford. And I'm Corbin Gregg. And welcome to a surprise third installment in our 2020 election coverage series. We were originally intending to take this week's episode in a different non-election direction. Ultimately, though, we decided that there's just too much going on and too much that needed to be said about the election for us to ignore it this week. As of right now, around 4.30 EST on November 5th, no winner has been declared for the 2020 presidential election, but there is still just so much to unpack already. In today's episode, we're going to cover what we do know and cover some more notable results from the last few days. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. First, we wanted to start by kind of returning to the elections that we were covering last week, the two races that were kind of already set, but now we have the official results that Nicole was talking about last week was for Mondaire Jones and Richie Torres. They both won. And so they both became the first openly gay black congressmen ever together. So that's cool. It's a little fun piece of history, a little more upbeat result for us. Of the other elections that we covered last week, we had Representative Lee Zeldin versus Democratic challenger Nancy Goroff. So Lee Zeldin has declared victory in New York's first district. The Associated Press has not yet called the race, but Zeldin does lead Goroff by over 21 points with 100% reporting. And then finally, the last election that we were covering in last week's episode was between Max Rose and Nicole Malley-Takis, with 95% reporting Nicole Malley-Takis currently leads against the Democratic representative Max Rose in New York's 11th district. All right, so some more notable things that we should probably mention. Sarah McBride became the first trans person elected to any state Senate in the United States, but in Delaware, so that is fantastic. A lot of people of color were elected, a lot of indigenous people were elected, Certainly quite a few LGBTQ people. It's exciting. Sarah McBride made history. All four members of what we would call as the squad were re-elected. So Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, and Rashida Tlaib. Dems are also projected to keep a House majority, although it will be slimmer than it previously was after the 2018 midterms. I know that Democrats were hoping to even gain a supermajority in the House. Obviously, that's not something that happened. They did hold on to the majority, though. Again, referring back to, quote unquote, the squad, I know that there was a lot of speculation on the right, thinking that kind of in a one-time only thing was a progressive jerk to the left that was going to be undone. And then obviously, I think all four women won pretty handily in their district. So that definitely has interesting implications for the future of the Democratic Party. And is it going to shift more to the left? Is it going to try and stay in the middle with Nancy Pelosi remaining in House leadership? And then there were definitely some interesting moves in terms of drug legalization and also decriminalization. New Jersey, Montana, Arizona, and South Dakota all voted to legalize cannabis. And then Oregon actually voted to decriminalize drug possession. And so Oregon, I think, is a huge and interesting leap forward when it comes to kind of the stigma around addiction and the legal ramifications of that when it moved to decriminalize all drug possession. Another big thing from the election is Florida, obviously an important swing state. One thing that maybe have got lost in the news cycle with Florida was that Florida voted to increase its minimum wage to $15 over the next few years. So it will be raised to $10 shortly. And then every year after that, it will be raised until it gets to $15, which is interesting. After going for Donald Trump in the presidential election, it will be 
still raising its minimum wage to $15, which is not something that was in the president's platform. So yeah, I think that Florida is going to be the subject of scrutiny in many places. I already saw so much of it on election night. People were talking about like the Latino vote. Is that a monolith? It certainly is not. And I know that so far a lot of analysis has kind of been about Cuban Americans in Florida and also Venezuelan Americans in Florida were really um, affected by President Trump's messaging about how Biden came from the Socialist Party and he was a socialist. Obviously, that was going to really strike a chord with Cuban Americans and Venezuelan Americans. And so people kind of attribute that to why Miami-Dade County went red, but kind of the rest of Florida stuck with this more progressive liberal agenda. Certainly something like $15 minimum wage is pretty pretty much a firm democratic point. My final point in the notable category before I turn it back over to Corbin is that for what it's worth, I'm very happy with my local elections. Uh, very exciting to see the turnout there. My town, little small town in Connecticut, we had record-breaking voter turnout. That's very exciting. Um, certainly reflects back to what we were talking about last episode, which is that local elections matter, town, city, state level, whatever. Yeah, I think to wrap up all of these more notable things that may not have caught your eye in the news cycle with the presidential election going on and all that kind of stuff, I think it's important to see all of these more local or state decisions or state representatives or local representatives that are all either winning their elections, a lot of different things to look at. And even despite however crazy or whatever you think of things that are going on at the national level, there are lots of things that are going on all across the country in your local communities, wherever you are, even if you're not at Fordham, even if you're not in New York, that affect you and that you should pay attention to. All right, so I think that we've covered a lot that is not related to the presidential election and ultimately we can't put it off any longer. It's the main event as it always is during years where we elect a new president. One last thing before we do get into the presidential election and what's going on with that. Another thing that is outstanding at this time, at time of recording, is that the Senate, we really just don't know. The Democrats were hoping to recapture a majority there. The Republicans want to hold on to their majority. But at this point, because of Georgia and Georgia state laws and kind of the toss up there, it's going to go to a runoff. So we really can't say who's going to either regain or hold on to the majority in the Senate. So that is another race or several races that we should be keeping our eye on in the next few days slash weeks slash months. It's really interesting to see that we may have two Senate runoffs in Georgia in early January that are actually going to decide the majority status or whether or not the Senate is tied until 2022. Did you see their elections? They're beautiful. The I voted stickers, absolutely stunning. I have not seen their stickers. You haven't? Oh my god. Corbin listeners, if you haven't seen the Georgia I voted sticker, it's beautiful. They know how to capitalize on being the peach state so well. Actually, as a matter of fact, if you want to learn more about it, you should definitely go to fornobserver.com. Our arts and culture editor, Ethan Coughlin, wrote an article about it. It's super cool. You can find it at the top of our webpage. There's a link to our entire special election edition full of great articles. Definitely go check that out, especially for the sticker. I'll say it. I, I just looked it up. That is quite the, quite <laughs> the I voted sticker. <laughs> it's two days after the election. We still don't have a result. I think largely it seems like biden has a clearer path to victory i don't know how definitive i want to be they're still wrapping up counting the votes in multiple states 
it is anyone's game depending on who wins these final states. So the key states of Michigan and Wisconsin both went to Biden, which leaves us now with Nevada, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Alaska, and North Carolina outstanding. And all of those states have given to Trump would put him over the edge. Any one of those states going to Biden would, aside from Alaska, would put him over the top. In terms of important things that did happen on election night, it can't be ignored what happened on election night. President Donald Trump declared, quote, that frankly, we did win this election, referring to him and his campaign. In the past few days, he has pushed for votes to stop being counted in several key states, such as Georgia and Pennsylvania, asserting voter fraud. The Trump team has put forth several lawsuits to stop the counting of absentee ballots in several different states. Cases in Michigan and Georgia have been dismissed by their relevant district courts, so the votes will still be counted in those two states. Former Vice President Joe Biden, on the other hand, has stated that neither he nor Donald Trump get to declare the election finisher over. All votes that were cast should be counted. I don't think this comes as a surprise to any of us. We knew that there were going to be problems with just the sheer number of absentee ballots that were going to need to be counted. We knew it was going to take some time. I think very few people expected a result on election day unless either candidate kind of won in a landslide, and obviously that's not happening. It's also important to note that the cases that President Trump has already filed and have been dismissed in Michigan and Georgia were dismissed basically because the judges ruled that it was based on hearsay. Essentially, there just wasn't a strong enough case made on President Trump's behalf. He certainly is making bold claims on Twitter. If you scroll through his Twitter timeline, almost every tweet from the last 72 to 48 hours um, has been flagged by Twitter as possibly misleading citizens about a civic event slash election. Obviously, we know what that's referring to. It's this election. On the 4th, he also tweeted, we have claimed for electoral vote purposes, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, parentheses, which won't allow legal observers, and parentheses, the state of Georgia and the state of North Carolina, each one of which has a big Trump lead. Additionally, we hereby claim the state of Michigan if, in fact, there was a large number of secretly dumped ballots, as has been widely reported. So I think this came after Biden won in Michigan. That is kind of a definitive result. No one is disputing that. And then the other states that he referenced, which are Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, he tweeted that he claimed them as victories, but they have not been decided as of yet. So that is certainly important to note. It's an incredibly tight race. We're waiting for one of the states to declare one way or the other. We're hoping for our democratic process to carry out the way it was intended to, but possibly all braced for the worst. We'll see what happens, basically. That's kind of been the name of the game for the last few months is, well, we'll see. This has been Retrospect. Everybody, thanks for listening in today just for this small, short little update that we have coming out this week. We hope that we're able to cover things that is important to our entire student body. That's every which way right now because of COVID. With that said, with COVID and everything, with political unrest, with different things that are happening in the country, everyone please stay safe. I'm one of your hosts, Corbin Gregg. And I'm your other host, Kate Galliford. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back with you next week.